Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk, a podcast on recovery with Elizabeth Pudwell and MG. We bring you our experience, strength, and hope from a variety of sources, therapy, 12-step recovery, and life lessons of long-term sobriety. To contact us, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Sober Sisters Talk. We're glad you're here. Now here's our next podcast. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Hi, everybody. This is MG. I'm Elizabeth Pudwell, and together we are Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Today is uh, Friday. It is June 25th, and uh, we are recording with a friend of mine. And um, I'm assuming that you're okay with us using your name, Cherie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Of course. Yes. <laughs> I didn't Sorry. ask you that before. <laughs> I do like to check, you know, yes. some people have anonymity stuff and they don't want to use their real name because other people might figure out who we are. But anyway, I think we all have pretty recognizable voices. Um so we have, um, Sheree and I have been working together and we've been talking about um, over a succession of weeks um, about her inner circle. And I know this happened for me when I first came into sobriety, developing a close circle of friends was so important to me. I had to, I mean, I had to work at it, but I, and I spent a lot of time and energy at it, but I didn't, I had it because I didn't have anything else going on. You know, I was trying to stay away from the qualifier and, and I know you did this too, right, MG? Absolutely. And thankfully I had a strong group of women friends in my life that I had gotten through college and through recovery and through workplaces. So those women are still in my life and I even brought in a new guy from like my acting community so I have my what I call like more like muggle friends like you know they're not like in uh, the Harry Potter universe like of recovery and and so you know but then I have my recovery support group who have become friends and you know for those recovery friends they're also part of my solid tribe and and if I have like something like in in Spender and Debtors Anonymous, we would call getting outside opinions a pressure group. Like if we had like a big decision to make, we'd get a pressure group together. And these right. are people where we would explain the situation and then they would give us good feedback. So I still use all these people when I need a pressure group to like make a decision about something in my life. But you know, recovery friends are a little bit different. They they sometimes just stay recovery, but then sometimes they can become true friends. Like Elizabeth, you're a true friend. So even if you went back out, which I don't think you would, I would still be your friend. You know what I mean? And so right. I think sometimes in recovery, when people go back out, they not only lose their sobriety, but they lose their community. What was your experience, Cherie? Um... With uh, with slaw in recovery with friends, I guess I uh, 
I was like Elizabeth when I first started working this program. I guess it was uh, again working this program four years ago, like where I really worked the program, and I was in so much pain that I did not want to ever feel that again. I was just really, really focused on my work, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't focused so much on having friends per se. I was it was between my a couple of different therapists between my me working my steps and I mean I, I just wanted to get on my steps and work um and do everything that I was told to do and I did a went out to um Kara Weed and did a, a love addiction workshop and so I was just like work 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 so I really wasn't focused on relationships and then I had pulled away from um slaw because I was like feeling better and uh I probably was here for about a year and a half and then I pulled away and I was doing pretty good. And then I got in a relationship and I wasn't doing so good as far as showing up how I wanted to. And um, it was suggested that I'd come back and go to meetings. And what I realized when I was in a lot of that, that pain that I was going through, like I was really having issues with who, who do I call, who can I talk to about this? Like who like has done the work, who's been in a relationship, who can I talk to about this stuff? that's that's going on and I really realized that I had gotten to a point um, because I have had close people and things have happened and we weren't close anymore but I didn't have anybody that I felt like was really a friend to even call and go to coffee and to talk about this stuff so I want to stop you right there because I do think that that's a really important point to kind of bullet is that um you know, and and all three of us have done this. Like we descri- we came into this place and we're like, you know, not in a good place and needing recovery, and we really kind of just like adhere ourselves to people that we like and are drawn to. And many times for me, it was like, you know, we there was a very small Houston slot community of women, and you know, we just all did everything together. And there was many times, you know, like when I was thrown into a social situation where I was with people I really probably wouldn't even really like, but I did it because I, I didn't have anything else to do. And I needed that, I needed that, that diversion, you know, from my head. And then, you, you know, I loved what you said about like asking yourself, so who can I call? Like who in my circle, who do I know that? I can talk to about this and it may not even be a friend at this point. It might be someone that you just know from a meeting, but that you go like, okay, I know this woman, she's got kids and, and she's got, she owns her own business. She's an entrepreneur. She's got this. And I think I can trust her with this, you know, to get an honest response. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I definitely wanted somebody in the small program. I didn't want to just, like you said, I didn't want to find just somebody like I've done that through my recovery through the other program that I've been before I've just found people to talk to but I really wanted to find like the the person who had maybe been through something that I had been was going through and could like give me their own experience strength and hope around it and yeah I was in a I was in a tough place and so lo and behold I came back to meetings and I contacted my sponsor and and now I'm working on getting my friend circle so it was cool. I was telling Elizabeth earlier that um, that I had uh, contact with a friend today, and she's in SLAW, and I know her from the other other uh, recovery program. We've known each other a long time, and so today I kind of tested the waters on her a little bit and shared like a little bit more um, 
she she may or may not have realized it but i kind of wanted to test the waters and just see how it felt and so i opened up about a few things and she was like super receptive you know she's married she's got kids she's in recovery and she works a program and she's in a successful marriage now and so it was like um it was it felt good like i pushed it the envelope a little bit more got a little bit more vulnerable with her and it felt really good and she was receptive and shared stuff that she had been through around family stuff that we were talking about so it was really cool and it so felt good another, that's another really um a, you know a good bullet point to sort of test the waters out is this person safe you know mm -hmm. i know like mg and i've both done this like pick up the phone in desperation and start calling someone and explaining you know and you get nothing of what you need right 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 i don't yeah i don't want someone who's going to disagree with me or someone who's going to gang with me on the side or judge me or anything like that like somebody who can just be authentic real and um who, who's going to tell me the truth whether it hurts my feelings or not and I want someone who's a little aspirational. So, for example, if I'm going through a thing, like, you know, I have, a, and I'm just going to call her EL, and she's, like, so amazing with money, right? She's like a money magnet. And so whenever I would have big struggles around money, I would call her and say, talk, talk to this head, because I need your words coming in my head. And she would say things like, God is my source and that you know money is abundant and just flows to me and she would say uh you know go get a hundred dollar bill i'm like i don't have a hundred dollars she goes no no just go get one just go get one or like find on the internet like a picture of a hundred dollar bill and then print it and like mm -hmm. write the affirmation on the back of it so she would give me some actual action items that i could do that could help me shift my brain energy around money because I was trying to do the same thing over here, expecting a different result. And I knew that she had some aspirational things about her relationship with money that I wanted. So I was like, you know, I, I don't I don't want to call and commiserate. I'm not going to call my right. broke friend and say, man, dude, I'm so fucking broke, which I'm not broke now, but I'm saying back in the day. I, I, I don't want to do that because I think that's like staying at, at the level where I am wallowing and I don't want to do that. So I think it Correct. is important yes. to... Right. There is a point, right, MG, when you needed that commiserating. I think so, sure, because it's sort of like I, I'm not so lonely. I have people who are experiencing the same thing. So, you know, to be able to identify and kind of be in that same place with and so I think you're right that it does change as far as like my recovery and growth is concerned but I don't you know I, I had a friend that I was raised with and uh, she joined the Navy I joined the Air Force we kind of had some kind of concurrent things going on but when I got sober and got into therapy I saw her where she would just she, she was just doing the same thing over and over and over again and I started confronting her and I was just like, you know, this is the fourth time I've talked to you this month where you've been suicidal. And I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm worried. And she was like, I just can't do anything. I'm so depressed, blah, blah, blah. Well, I called her mother because, you know, I knew this woman. And I said, I'm very worried about your daughter. Well, this woman got so mad at me, she never spoke to me again. Right? So it was like I wasn't able because 
I was getting help and I was getting better. I kind of wanted to impose that on her. I couldn't just continue to talk to her and, and wallow with her. But I think when I got into recovery, especially with SLAA, it was important to have those litter mates that you could kind of like, you know, talk about where you were. I don't know. And I do, I, yeah, and I do wanna, that's exactly why I asked that because I do think it's important that you have that commiserating thing, you know, and it doesn't have to be that you commiserate. There's just, you know, when you first come in, it you're it's so important to develop that inner circle to have that foundation so that you can call people so that it's you're in a meeting and everybody's going to dinner and you don't know anybody but then there's your you know there's someone there's your litter mate next to you and you guys have been sitting together and they're going like you want to go let all right let's try this and so you go together you know i mean it, it it's it is and i had that and needed it and then many i don't I, I, if I did an inventory, I would bet that most of those women are gone, you know, that they're no longer in program, that I don't see them anymore. And they're not necessarily acting out or, you know, well, doing anything. They're it's, just, you know, they're doing, they're living their lives. They're doing their thing. So, uh, that sure. That brings us to exactly where we are. Like what happened, so what happened with me, and I was sharing this with um, Cherie right before you came on was that all of a sudden, and I remember it because it was very close to this time of year. Um, it was in the su- it was in the summer right before um, 4th of July. And I don't have any friends. And I, all of my friends got mad at me and everybody's gone. And I don't, I'm like looking at my, I don't have anybody to call. And I call my sponsor and I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, I know it's gotta be me because that's what the common denominator is. <laughs> But it, what was that? What was that sort of like your your avoidant or anorexic kind of coming up? What was it? What it was, I think, is is the evolution of my recovery. Ah. To be really honest, it's like, and I'm not going to go real far into it because I want Sheree to share her experience. But it, you know, it was just all of a sudden. All, you know, there was four women that got mad at me all at once and then nobody, I don't have any inner circle friends. And so I called my um, sponsor and I'm complaining about this. I don't know what the solution is. I want to make all those women act right and stay my friend <laughs> and not abandon me. But what she did. But, she, but change, but change who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, you guys all change, not me. Right. Right. So um, she said, well, you know, you spend all this time on this dating plan. You're not dating anybody. She said, why don't you do a friend plan? And I was like, oh, what a good idea. And so I went back over my history. I went, I started from the first best friend that I had. And I think there was like probably 10 or 12 of them through the years. And I interviewed them in my head, like what kind of a friend was Elizabeth and what didn't you like and what did you like? And I just did like, you know, a paragraph for each one. And I found so much. I was, I discovered so much about myself and my friendships and past and current. And I, then I said, what am I, what do I want? What do I need? And I was very pragmatic. I was like, I want women my age because um, I just like it within five, 10 years, you know, in, in, in the same, 
I also wanted women who were in a certain um, financial demographic because I had all these friends and I was like, well, let, let's go take a trip. And then they'd be like, well, I don't have the money for that, you know? And so it was like, I wanted women who could, I could easily go like, let's go, you know? And they, so I was really pragmatic about mine. And as soon as I finished it, these three women had called and invited me to dinner. And it was like, all of my, you know, it was like my, my, my inner circle started to build again. And so I wanted to get Cherie's input on, but before we do, did you have a come to Jesus like that, MG? Did you have a clearing house of friends? Mm. Well, here, here, here's what I know, that if I continued in my sex and love addiction, I was going to lose these women. And almost to a person, I mean, like, I can remember Mr. T, like, I was living in this house, and I bought this house because I had two bedrooms because I was going to move them in. I'd already planned that in my head. And uh, <laughs> uh, he was in town. He was like, normal. hey. Normal. Right. He totally goes, normal behavior. Yeah, he goes, hey, I've got this chest of drawers that my mother uh, gave me, and I'm in town. It was at my brother's house. Could I just bring it by and, like, you know, put it in your house? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. This was before he had before he'd even moved in. So he brought that dresser in and I put it in the spare bedroom and it just went perfectly with all of it because I knew, <laughs> I knew, I knew his mother's aesthetic, shabby chic. Yeah. So it was just perfect in there. And then I remember my friend Julie came over to my house and she goes, oh, that's new. I'm like, yes, yeah, Mr. T's. And she looked at me, she went, you're moving him in. And I'm like, no, no, no. She goes, you're moving that son of a bitch in. Don't you lie to me. And I'm like, well, you know, he's still out in the hill country. You never know. And so it was like, that was one instance. And then when I had moved him in and I was in the middle of my love addiction with him, you know, one of my dearest, strongest AA recovery friends was saying, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose that house. You're going to lose me. You're going to lose everything. If you can, your sobriety, all this, you're going to lose all this for that dude. Is it worth it? She was very like, you know, I, I can't continue this kind of stuff. So it wasn't that I had a, a clearing house of friends, even though I did have a bunch of gay male guy friends that when I got into sobriety, they wanted nothing to do with me because I was sober. But that's a whole story for but another it does, day. It is because you change though. Yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the whole thing. So that brings us to where, um, my work started with Cherie a few weeks ago, and I'll let you tell your part of the story from here. So I have two, but I know that the one you want me to tell, but as you guys are talking, I have uh, thought of another one as well. Um, so let me just start with that one real quick because it's like on my mind. So about four years ago, when I started my slaw work, I did have somebody that I considered a very close friend and we had traveled together and did things together. And when I started doing my slaw work, she started acting real funny towards me and I know her from another program. So when that happened, um, it, it, I mean, I'm just, I'm just doing my, my work. I'm falling apart. I'm paranoid to leave my house because I'm finally looking at work that I've been unwilling to look at with law behavior that I continue to repeat in relationships. I mean, just very, very toxic things. And I, um, I, I feel like she felt like I was starting to change and she didn't like it and she got kind of aggressive towards me 
And I finally had wrote her a letter. I was in this other women's group um, through Women Within and the women helped me write a letter to her. And I just basically said, it, we've, cha we've changed and this relationship is not working for me. And this was a, a several year relationship. And, um, and I sent it and I blocked her. But in the, in the process of that happening, I was willing to lose because there was a lot of women that we all hung out together back then. And I was willing to lose all of those people and knew that that, that circle could be threatened because of me making that move, but I couldn't be in that relationship anymore. And um, I mean, this was like one of the hardest things I had gone through that I have like denied, denied, denied looking at, and I'm finally looking at it. And, you know, the fetal position, you know, it's not slinging stuff. And um, what's interesting now is one of the women that I lost, um, we run into each other at a plant store and she, uh, and we are now communicating and she's no longer friends with her, but I had lost her because of the dynamic that was going on. And then there was another friend that I had lost um, a couple years before that because of something that had happened and in that whole dynamic and that um, she basically had walked away. And now we've been back in contact again and I've called and made an amends to her. And um, so it's kind of interesting that I was willing to lose and I did lose. And that was a big uh, chunk, especially getting into slaw again, because it was like, I, I didn't have any, you know, like I felt like everybody that I had was gone. So it's kind of interesting now that it's kind of come full circle and that person is no longer in any of our lives. But that took a few years to kind of filter through per se. Um, but there is a situation that um, Elizabeth is referring to that I have a group of women who were close, um, not close like that I go to them for like personal, personal advice per se, but we're close in the respect of um, we like to enjoy doing the same things. We really help support each other in doing manifesting things and things like that. Like it's a very positive atmosphere. And in the last um, probably year, things had gotten kind of, um, conversations had gone directions with everything going on in the past couple years, year and a half, um, that I, it was, it just, I, did, I wasn't comfortable with it. And so what I did, which is what, you know, my default is, is fight, flight, or freeze. So I fleed. And, um, and then as I was talking to Elizabeth about the situation, she's like, you need to talk to them. You need to have a conversation with them. So it's like, okay, so in this conversation, what do I want that to sound like? Okay, they don't need to change anything. But it's unfair for me not to be honest about where I'm at and just leave. And it felt, um, it didn't feel clean on my behavior. I didn't like um, that I defaulted into that again. So it was really, it wasn't about them changing anything, but it was about me coming clean in that relationship. Um, so I had asked them if we could all get together and they said yes. And I was like really honest about, you know, some things that I was, I was struggling with in the group, with this group of women. And, um, and I said, you guys don't need to change at all. I said, but this is where I am. And if this is going on then you know, that I won't be able to participate and you guys don't need to change anything. And it was interesting though, because everyone went out, went around and shared kind of where they were around that. And they all agree too that they don't want to. They don't want to do that either. Like we kind of this with everything going on. I think there was like a little bit of funk that a lot of people got in. Um, and then there was like there was another thing in that same dynamic of. And I just asked, you know, I said, you know, if you guys don't mind, 
you know, if I can, if these things are going on, I'll just like, I'll just, I'll just back up or go out of the room or do whatever, but you guys don't need to change anything. I need to change, but I need to make sure that you guys are okay with the changes that I need to make to take care of myself. And, um, and they were like, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I feel this way and I feel this way. And it actually ended up like way better than what I expected, but I didn't come in as going, you did this and you did this and you did this. I really wanted to stay on my side of the street, clean in my behavior. You guys, I love you. You don't need to change anything. I love our dynamic pre all of this. And I just want to find a way, a new version of us to go back, but to go forward in our relationship and develop this new thing. And everybody was like, sounded like they were at the same place. And it was actually really, really beautiful. And, you know, these are not skills I learned growing up. Mine is fight, flight, or freeze. That's it. You know, my teenager is going to fight. She's going to tell you to F off. She's going to get in your face. And, you know, my little girl is going to get timid and run and hide. And, um, yeah, so it feels good because I feel like I'm in clean behavior with myself, but also with them. Like, I don't, I didn't say anything that I need to go back and, oh my God, guys, I'm sorry. I really didn't mean that you did that. It wasn't about them. I'm the one that had changed. You were in your functional adult through that whole thing, it sounds like to me. Yes, yes. Amazing. And it feels so amazing being in your functional adult. I mean, who knew, right? Like, I didn't learn this growing up. I didn't learn it growing up. And I love that how you talked about, like, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze, and, like, you know, noticing that that isn't serving, you know. And it was hard. Like, I'm sure very – it's humbling. But, you know, one of the things that she brought back to the group is that – let's not talk about politics because it wasn't part of how the group functioned anyway. They're not a political group. They're not Mm -hmm. solving any issues there. And they were obviously divided in how they thought or whatever it does. I mean, even if you're not divided, you don't need to talk about that. If you're not, it's not part of what you do, what it's about. And I love that she, you know, created that boundary. And then, because I knew, how important because of the way she had brought it to me before some of those women were for her and yes value there was but sure yes I can really identify with the idea of like um going to the group and like talking to them about the situation like what a foreign fucking concept for me certainly I didn't get any of those skills or any of that kind of training from like well, let's just go and just have like a rational conversation about like what's happening and what our feelings are and what like I feel like I want to do, but none of that. So I love right. Women Within because, you know, that really gave me a lot of new technology that I didn't have about kind of brokering these kind of uh, situations and giving me uh, some scripts and things to do around that. So that was really helpful. But then also this concept of the inner child and like, you know, being able to be a functional adult. And ultimately, what do you want to be happy? I mean, what do you want to do to be happy? And I think Mm -hmm. that that's what Elizabeth is so good about. But giving you that challenge to go and like say, hey, let me show up in a different way. That's a huge success, Cherie. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And, it, and like I said, it went better than I expected, but it was like one of those things. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but it's like 
when I behave in a way that I know is old behavior, I'm not sure how to change it, but I know that I don't want to do it, but I'm doing it. That's what I was doing by like walking away and not, you know what I mean? It was yeah. like every time that they were getting together, it was like an excuse. It was like, oh, I'm doing this. Oh, well, I'm doing this. Oh, well, I'm doing, okay, well, I, I'm not, I'm working later. And I might not even been working late. You know what I mean? But I wasn't working late enough. I mean, I was working late, but I wasn't, I, I still could have made it. It's, that it's not yeah. really acting out. It's just this leaky kind of, you know, this isn't an alignment. Right. Yeah, it's not who I want to be, and it's not how I want to treat other people, and it's not how I want to be treated. And it's not how I want to treat myself, bottom line, because when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I got to be okay with me. And if I'm not, that's when I do shit to act out. You know, whether it's overeat, whether it, whatever it is, do you know what I mean? It's like, that's when I do stuff that, to, to kind of feel those feelings, to, to, avo to avoid feeling those feelings, because I'm doing a behavior that I'm, I'm not okay within myself. But here's, the, here's what you did do. You had courage. And when we say the serenity prayer, you know, it's like accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. Because all of a sudden, mm -hmm. yeah, we want to change the things we can. But what, how does that happen? Well, we got to have a little courage to like either talk to some people or to do something differently. You know, I was doing some work with Elizabeth, the Law of Attraction group, and I just wasn't feeling it. And I was feeling a little bit wonky about it, and I didn't want to give up my Saturday afternoons. And I was just like, I just talked to Elizabeth about it. I was just like saying, listen, here's what's going on. Because part of it was like I didn't, you know, I, I felt some discomfort. What is that? What's going on? And I was able to isolate some specific reasons why I didn't like it. And I remember, you know, sitting on her couch in her living room talking about it. And that's how this podcast was born. Oh, wow. Because she was that's like, I still awesome. think we need to do something together. And then I don't know whether it was my, because it's been so long, whether it was my idea or her idea. But we were like thinking about getting together and doing a podcast where we can talk about stuff. And I was like, oh, that this sounds really, really good to me. And so as a result of my courage to talk mm -hmm. about like my, like, and I don't want to even say, it wasn't even disappointment, it was just like ennui that I felt like it's not resonating with me, it's but. Discomfort. Yeah, it's discomfort. Right, but having the courage it, to say something because I trusted her and Cherie, it sounds like you love these women. And you were gonna- I do love these women and they're very special and we've done some very special things together. And, um, and we've had hard conversations around things uh, before that almost broke up the dynamic of our group. And, and because we had the hard conversation, it made us even closer. And everybody spoke with kindness and love and was, you know, they were in their own space and in their own boundaries. And so, but in this situation, it was me coming to the group, not the whole group and us doing the work, you know, doing it together, but it was me going, okay, if they, do not agree with me. I, I'm willing to, to step away because I have to be true to myself. But everybody was very warm and inviting and everybody shared where they were. And a lot of people, you know, they all had like different shifts and shifts in different ways. So it was really cool because I feel like everybody felt like even closer afterwards. It was really beautiful. And like I said, it went better than I expected, um, like above and beyond better than I expected. And, um, yeah, so like I feel excited again and like getting back in alignment and doing what our group does really well together, which is manifest like stuff. Right. So, you know, it's yeah. amazing how um, that vulnerability when you when you have a, 
you know, when you um, resolve conflict with anybody and you do it with that from that space of vulnerability, that the relationship gets stronger, and that is without fail. Um, and I guess art really, goes away, Elizabeth. Well, art goes away. I, there always is the danger that it will, but that means it wasn't meant to be. Right. You guys, right. If I can't right. resolve conflict with you, then we can't. You know, it's not going to work anyway. But Sheree, the the thing that I'm so excited about is because you're modeling for us like the gifts of recovery. This is what happens when we live in integrity. This is what happens when we're able to speak our truth. This is what happens when we're able to operate from our functional adult. And I saw your willingness to go and speak your truth to this group of women as like an ultimate act of self-care. You were like, Mm -hmm. I can no longer do this. This is not working for me. And you had the ability to advocate for yourself and not live in your little wounded child anymore. Right. Yeah, because I was definitely feeling feeling the effects of what I was, of the way I was behaving. I was feeling t- the toxicity in me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I didn't, I'm like, am I really going to do this again? And Elizabeth's like, you need to say something. And I'm like, she's right. And it took me a few weeks to reach out and actually have the courage to do it. But I had to really kind of, prepare myself and who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? I need to make sure I'm staying on my side of the street. I'm not pointing any fingers. This is not about pointing fingers. It's about me being honest about who I am and where I'm at and where my boundaries are. And yeah, it's not, a, it's not, they've done nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. Nothing. But, but, I want but, that's, to know that. but that's the truth of everybody else in the world. You know, right. I mean, it's like, unless someone's actually physically aggressing me, you know, right. it's like, that's like my, my, I love that al saying where my business ends at the end of my nose, you know, it's like, so it's like everybody gets to go out there and do their shit. And, mm-hmm. and I had an aha moment this week too, where I came to realize that the reason I want my brother to stop drinking alcohol and smoking cigars and get sober is so that I can feel better. Right. You know, and not because I really have this altruistic hope that he's going to have a long life. It's just I don't want to worry about him anymore. And I can stop that shit right now. Right. So, you know, once again, like, you know, staying uh, and minding my own business and doing what I need for me. And your story is very inspirational. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on here. Before we close, I do want to just like kind of go over the steps, like the bullet points is one of the things that when she first started talking about um, developing an inner circle, you know, when you're kind of like um, testing the waters and you're sort of auditing the program and you're not really there, you won't be successful at creating friends, but when you're committed to your program, so that's the first thing. You got to be committed, yes. working the program, showing up, get the sponsor, go to the meetings, do the work. That's the first thing. And then you've got to find someone who has what you want. There's, there's got to be, you know, and it, it, you don't, you're not looking for one best friend. And trust me, I've tried that route. It does not work. You need a group. You need an inner circle of friends, not a one best friend. <laughs> And then uh, you got to do this thing where you, you know, like what she talked about with the friend today, like um, there's a, you know, you start out with a little bit of 
is this safe? You test the waters and you, you kind of delve a little bit and then you delve a little bit more. And then I heard it described one time in this book, I read it described in this book, that intimacy is as if we are taking a fishing line and I take a fishing line and I give you one thread and I share something intimate with you. And then you share back. And then I share back again. And then every time we share back and forth, there's another thread that is strewn between us until you become, it's very strong. And that thread is like, you know, it's like a spider web uh, and it catches all of the stuff, which is what she described with her group of friends. Mm -hmm. Well, and also when we're talking about manifestation, I know from my own experience, if I'm very general, the universe is going to give me very general. Mm-hmm. If I'm very specific and very clear and I can like hone in on it, here's what I want, here's what I want, here's what I want. This is how I want to feel. This is how I want to feel. This is how I want to feel. And be very specific about that energetic offering. Then the universe is like, oh, okay, that's what you want. Okay, I can get that. To, I can give that to you. Because if mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, I just want some, some, some stuff. Well, here's some stuff. I'm like, no, I don't want that. Well, no, what, what want do you want? Stuff. I'm trying to help you out, sis. What the fuck do you want? You got to be specific. And that that stuff, the last thing that I'll share is that um, sometimes I just need a sentence. I need a sentence of what to say. I did that today, and we'll save this for a whole nother podcast, but um, I really like that. Like, what do I say? How do I say that? And then find a way that fits for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on. She's not going to thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't forget to come to our meeting. We have a meeting every Friday at 6 p.m. And I don't know how you get the, oh, if you go to the Houston Slaw meeting schedule, you can get the uh, the meeting um, ID on there. Or email one of us and we'll give it to you. <laughs> it's Thank a great you. women's meeting. Thank you. Until next time, listeners. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sober Sisters Talk podcast. To find our podcast, we're at www.sobersisterstalk.com. We're also on Apple iTunes and on Facebook. See you next week.